Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. God is awesome. He's a, God, our God is a supernatural God. You know, you think, of, you think of all the miracles of Moses. The feeding, the feeding the Israelites for 40 years, every single day, water, bread, and meat, every single day for 40 years. There's probably 2 million people. God did that supernaturally. Hallelujah. You know, the, the, the miracles of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets. You know, some of, some of these things in the Bible, they're my, they're my personal favorites. I love the one where the donkey talked to the prophet. Can you imagine? Here's this, here's this guy riding his donkey, and, and the donkey just keeps resisting where this guy wants to go, and the guy keeps hitting him, you know, bam, you know, come on, you dumb donkey, bam. And find the donkey turns around and says, what are you hitting me for? And what I love about that, and here's, here's the greatest part, the prophet started talking to him just like he's a regular person. Well, I hit you because you wouldn't go. Well, yeah, <laughs> haven't I been your donkey for so many years? Haven't I been good? Yeah. Well, and they started, and you know what? The, the donkey wins the argument. I love it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A man was inside of a fish for three days, got vomited up, and lived. I mean, that's... I wonder, did he, did, did he live for three days inside the fish? Did he die, for th- did he die and come back to life? I, my personal opinion is, if it's really a type of Christ, he died inside that fish and came back to life. Hallelujah. Got vomited up on dry land. I'm telling you, God is awesome. There's so much, you know, and I read these, te- these stories in the Old Testament and in the New Testament with Jesus and his ministry. It's phenomenal. Well, this is the God we serve, people. You know, we can't just sit back and say, well, ho-hum, things are not. No, I don't want normal, normal. I want to see the miracle-working power of God. I want to see the supernatural manifestation in my life, in this church, in this area. God is God, and the supernatural demonstrates that he is God. I mean, we don't just have these stories in here so they're nice so we can teach them in Sunday school. We have them to, to inspire us, to, to convince us that God is a supernatural God, and he can do things that are above nature, outside the realm of nature. Miracles, healings, signs and wonders. I'm telling I'm, and I'm and something's stirring on the inside of me. It's like, God, I, I see you as a miracle-working God, a supernatural God, and I'm hungry for it. I want to see it in demonstration in my life. I want to see it in my family. I want to see it in this church. I want to see it in this region, this area. God, show yourself strong. Glorify your name. Bring glory to your name through miracles and healings and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. I'm crying out, and I'm going to continue to cry out because I think there's more for us than we have today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Jesus lived a supernatural life, obviously. Miracles, signs, and wonders. We know the stories. The first church was a miracle working. It was a supernatural church. In Acts chapter 2, and this is just one scripture, but this is, and, and you know, act, the book of Acts is not just a story of what it was back then. The book of Acts teaches us this is what the church is supposed to look like. This is what the church is supposed to be. Powerful. In Acts chapter 2, listen. 
This is just after Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 people come to the Lord. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed had everything in common and they began selling their property and whatever. But signs and wonders throughout. People supernaturally delivered out of prison. People raised from the dead. People healed. This is, this is what the church is supposed to we are We are the body of Christ. And his body is, the, his body is a miracle-working body. His body is a saving body, a healing body, a delivering body. It's a message that we have to bring to the world. And we're going to continue to bring it. But I want to see the power. I want to see the demonstration of God. And you know, God doesn't do supernatural things just to entertain us. He doesn't because there's a there's somebody needs there's a need, and God meets a need supernaturally. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter twelve, it says, "Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside the encumbrance and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us." Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, specifically in this scripture, it's talking about those mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. But there's others, others that have gone, everyone that's gone before us. And I'm feeling so uh, aware of that. It's like all the ones that have gone before us have passed on the baton from generation to generation. And I've got the baton in my hand and I'm running with it. And I'm going to run as far as fast as I can. And then I'm going to hand it off to someone else. And when they pick up that baton, they, they, they need to run just in the same way. They need to run with a, with a saving message, with a delivering message, with a healing message, with a miracle message, with a power, the message of the power of God. Running, just do, not, not watering down the message, not compromising the message. And see, that's one thing that, it, I'll be honest with you, it bothers me. Because I see even, even charismatic Pentecostal churches that don't, that, that want to kind of keep things um, a little bit sedate. They, they, don't want, they don't want to get too excited. They don't want to offend anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but God is God. And, the, and there's so many people that have gone before us and gave their lives for this, for this message to continue, and we're going to continue it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the, the, the great cloud of witnesses that go before us, not just the apostles, not just the Old Testament saints, but even those a little more uh, closer to us. People like uh, Maria Woodworth Etter. Did you ever hear of Maria Woodworth Etter? I just want to, talk, I want to tell you about some people, some wonderful people that lived before us. Maria Woodworth Etter preached in the late 1800s, a woman, and she had meetings, and it was a time where, where most churches wouldn't even allow a woman to preach. And she was ostracized, and she was criticized, and she was persecuted. But she had tremendous healings and miracles in her meetings. People, people would regularly get slain in the spirit, or what she said, go into a trance. They'd get slain in the spirit for hours on end. One time she was preaching in a meeting, and right in the middle of her message, she put her hand up to make a point, and she went into a trance, and she stayed there for two days. People came by the thousands to see her. her. Her body was like totally suspended. And after two days, she opened her mouth and picked up right where she left off. Didn't even realize it was two days later. And she just kept on preaching. Hallelujah. 
But these people were walked in the power of God. It was amazing. People that made fun of them were slain in the spirit. These hardened people would come. They'd laugh at her. They'd joke. And she finally had to get a, she, her meetings were so great that she finally had to get a tent that seated 8,000 people. 8,000 people. She had a tent. Maria Woodworth at her. I'm telling you, a woman of God. Hallelujah. John Alexander Dowie. I mean, most, most of the names like this, people don't even know. John Alexander Dowie, he got real goofy. He had a tremendous healing ministry back in, a, in the late 1800s. But after a while, he got real goofy. And uh, he thought he was Elijah the prophet raising the dead. And he dressed up like the high priest of the Old Testament. He really, he got, he got way off. But he had a genuine healing ministry for a while. Hallelujah. People like John G. Lake, F.F. Bosworth, T.B. Barrett. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. How many ever heard of a guy named T Thomas Ball Barrett? You've heard of T.B. Barrett? Good for you. Praise the Lord. I got one. T.B. Barrett was a, a Norwegian. He lived in Oslo. And uh, he was a Methodist pastor. And the Methodist church sent him to the United States to raise funds because they wanted to build some more churches. They wanted to add on to some of their churches. And so he came over. He was supposed to do a preaching meetings and, you know, and, and raise some funds for the churches in Norway. So he gets to New York. And when he gets there, somebody says to him, have you heard about the revival? And he said, what revival? He said, come on, I'll take you. And he says, I took him to this meeting. They laid hands on T.B. Barrett. He got slain in the spirit. And when he came to two hours later, he was underneath a piano praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Oh, Rabbi Sakaba. Somebody say praise the Lord. He was, he was underneath a piano praying in tongues. And he went back to, he went back to Norway. And he, and he said to the Methodist bishop, he said, get all the pastors together. I got to talk to them. And they thought, man, this guy must have got a barrel of money. He's calling all the pastors together. He must have made him a fortune. So he called all the pastors together and he said, how much did you get? And he said, none. But I get the Holy Ghost, like in Acts chapter 2, and he preached to them. And they, and, and they kicked him out of the denomination. And he started a church in Norway, a Pentecostal church. He was like the one that brought Pentecost back to Scandinavia. He went to Sweden and, and met a pastor named Levi Petrus. Levi Petrus ended up having a, a, the biggest Pentecostal church in Sweden and sent missionaries out all over the place. You know, the floods, David and Svea flood came out of that church. They sent, and Lester Summerall said, I, I would meet the, the missionaries from Levi Petrus' church in Sweden. I met him all over the world. I met him in South America. I met him in Africa. I met him in Europe. I met him in Asia. I met him all over the world, missionaries from this guy's church. People got filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, and they, be, and they became mighty and powerful for God. I tell you, there's something to it. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost today? Do you pray in tongues? Are you feel like, ah, yes. If you are, you're a supernatural being. You're a supernatural person and the supernatural has a as a is is available to you to in your life to walk in it hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus a, a tb ball went to england and met a guy an anglican pastor named a a bodie probably never heard of a a bodie but a, a. bodie started a church and out of that church came Smith Wigglesworth. In fact, it was A.A. Bodie's wife. A.A. Bodie's wife when I laid hands on Smith Wigglesworth, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Howard Carter came out of that church. Donald G. came out of that. Just tremendous, tremendous men of God 
who, who lived and laid their lives down for the gospel in amidst, amidst of persecutions and being reviled and being made fun of. They, they lived for God. They sacrificed and they lived for God their whole life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Forerunners. These were the forerunners that went before us. Oral Roberts, people like, and then they, they started off in the early 1900s. Then in the mid-1900s, there was a healing revival, which I never knew about. I was Roman Catholic in New, in New England. What did I know about a healing revival going on in the United States? But men like Oral Roberts and William Branham, Gordon Lindsay, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, T.L. Osborne, I mean, tremendous people of God. God was moving in the land. Hallelujah. And I want to just share a little bit about the supernatural life of one particular man whose name was Lester Summerall. Anybody here Lester? Lester. Now, you know, his, his name is S-U-M-R-A-L-L. -L. No E, no letter E. It's not Summerall, it's Summerall. Now, there is a Lester Summerall, but there's also a, and this is, and anyway, Lester. He was born in 1913, lived in Louisiana. His mother was a Pentecostal. And she would get together with the women. And he said, oh, my mother would get the women in the, in the house. And they'd pray like a house of fire. They'd, they'd shout. And they'd praise God. And, and people would come and get healed and slain in the spirit. Fill the Holy Ghost. But Lester's father was a nominal Christian. Very nominal. And Lester grew up. Anyway, he turned, turned from God. When he was in a teenager, he got into the wrong crowd. He ended up with tuberculosis. When he was 17 years old, he was laying on a deathbed. He said, in fact, the undertaker came and was filling out the death. He was making the plans for Lester's funeral. And God gave him a vision. And on one side of the bed, he saw a Bible. And on the other side of the bed, he saw a coffin. And God said, choose. You can preach or you can die. So he chose the Bible and he went to preach. He started preaching when he was 17 years old. When he was 20 years old, he was preaching a series of meetings in Oklahoma. They called them brush arbor meetings. I, you know, what these people went through today, we, we wouldn't know what to do. They, a brush arbor meeting was, they'd set up like a pole barn, just set up some, some, uh, some walls with nut filled in, open air, and they'd put uh, timber across the top and they'd cover the top with bushes to keep the sun out and somewhat of the rain. But there was no facilities, there was no sound system, there's no electricity. <laughs> They'd sit on benches. I mean, and they held meetings. So he's holding meetings for these for this pastor in Oklahoma, in the oil fields of Oklahoma. He said, I was out in, I was out in the woods one morning praying. And I thought, thank God for prayer. I, you know, when you when you pray, you hear from God. Hallelujah. That's this is, you know, when you develop a prayer life, you'll hear from God when he needs to talk to you. And so he said, I'm out praying, and God said, Go to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I, tell, I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about Lester because the supernatural, the way the supernatural operated in his life makes me so hungry to just be, just be right, mac, right smack in the middle of what God's doing. Anyway, he, God spoke to him and said, go to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. So he went back to the house and my sister was traveling with me. He said, pack the bags, we got to go. He went and told the pastor. He was supposed to be preaching until Sunday. This is midweek. He said, Pastor, I've got to go. And the pastor said, why? He says, God told me to go to Eureka. He says, you mean you're leaving my meetings in the middle of the week? 
I'm going I'm to make sure that you never preach in this area again. He was mad at him. He said, I'm sorry, I got to go. So, you know, sometimes you got to obey God. So he gets in his car and he drives to Eureka Springs. Found an Assemblies of God church there where a man named Howard Carter was preaching. Howard Carter was a tremendous man of God. In World War, during World War I, he was put in jail because he was a conscientious objector. And while he was there, God gave him a revelation about the gifts of the Spirit, what they are and how they operate. And it was, it's been a standard teaching in Pentecost now for over 100 years, Howard Carter's revelation. So anyway, he went, found the Assembly of God in Eureka Springs. And who's preaching in the Assemblies of God as a guest minister? Howard Carter. So he went to the meeting. After the meeting, he's standing on the sidewalk. Howard Carter comes out. He says, I reached my hand out just to say, thank you, Pastor. I enjoyed the message. He says, I reached my And he took my hand. And I opened my mouth to say, thank you, Pastor. And this is what came out. I'll follow you to the highest mountain. I'll follow you to the deepest sea. I'll follow you to the widest desert. And he says, in my mind, I'm saying, what are you saying? My mind is going, what are you saying? What are you saying? And when he said that, Howard Carter said to him, come with me to my hotel room. He said, I thought he was going to rebuke me. I thought he was going to really give me, give me a what for for saying that to him. I got back to his hotel room, and he said, I need to tell you something. A year ago, God spoke to me in England and said, I'm going to send you someone to travel with you. He'll be a stranger when you meet him. He'll, be, he'll come from a far, a far away place, and these are the words he'll say when he takes your hand. He'll say, I'll follow you to the highest mountain. I'll follow you to the lowest sea. I'll follow you across the widest desert. And he said, you're the one. You're the one. He said, and Howard, and Howard Carter said to him, you're the one that God's appointed to travel with me. It's supernatural. He said, it just came out of me. I couldn't help it. It's what happened to me when I was in fifth grade. When I was in the fifth grade, I told you this story before. But, you know, sometimes you open your mouth and something comes out you don't have a plan to say. And we were going around in Mrs. Dow's fifth grade class. We were going around the room asking, she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? We're going to, and kids were saying, you know, some of the girls were saying, I'm going to be the first president. And all the boys are going, yeah, all right. And, uh, but what, is a, what does a 10-year-old boy know about what he wants to do when he grows up? So I, the, the closer it got to me, the more nervous I got. And I remember thinking, oh, fireman, policeman, I don't want that. I don't, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll say, I want to be, a, my dad was a salesman. I said, I want to be a salesman like my father. I fully intended to say when I opened my mouth, I want to be a salesman like my father. And when she said, Edward, that's my real name, Edward. She said, Edward, what do you want to be? And I opened my mouth and I said, I want to be a priest. And I remember I got all embarrassed. Uh, I mean, it's like, and everyone started laughing because they thought, oh, the class clown. Yeah, you're going to be a priest, right? But I think, see, but God brought that back to my memory to show even back then the call of God was on my life. Now, I said priest because I was, I was in the Catholic Church, didn't know anything better. But... God knew and I knew, something in me knew, that I was called to the ministry. So Howard Carter said to him, I'm going to Japan. Meet me there. And he said, so he got in his car and he left. And on the, on the, on the way back, to, he was driving his sister back home. He said, on the way back to her, I thought, I never asked him where he's going. Japan, how am I going to find him? How am I going to find Howard Carter in Japan? He says, anyway, I went, to, I went back home. I sold my car. I bought a train ticket to Los Angeles. 
I got on the I got on the train. It took about a week to get there. It, I might take. Uh, uh, it's just taking too long. No. Okay. So he, he goes to Los Angeles. He looks up in Assemblies of God Church. He goes to the Assembly of God Church. Knocks on the door of the parsonage. He says, "Excuse me, sir. You don't know me." He says, "Oh, welcome. Your list is Sumrall." He said, "How do you know?" He said, "Howard Carter was here. He said you'd be coming." He said, for you to preach in my pulpit and to give you an offering. And they scheduled some other, and he set up some other meetings for him. And so when he, when he had enough money, he bought a, a boat ticket. But he was praying. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go to the bottom of the world. He said, but Howard Carter said he's going to Japan. What's in the bottom of the world? New Zealand, Australia. But he said, but the Lord said to go to the bottom of the world. So he bought a ticket on a boat to go to Australia. But Howard Carter bought a ticket to go to Japan. But when he got to Hawaii, God told him to go to Australia. So he changed his ticket, and he headed for Australia. So how, so this, to me, how God can be a part of someone's life. So Lester, they, the boat stopped in New Zealand before it went to Australia. Lester gets off the boat the next morning with his suitcase. He's looking for an assembly. He's a God church. He said, I walked for four hours around Wellington, New Zealand. Walked for hours. I found an Episcopal church. I found a Baptist church. I found a Methodist church. I couldn't find a, a, an assembly. of God church. Finally, he said, I was exhausted. I'm leaning against a light pole, and some guy comes walking by, and I said, excuse me, sir. Is there a church around here where they say, hallelujah? And the guy looked like that. He said, and sometimes they say, praise the Lord. And sometimes they say, Amen. The guy goes, yeah, you go down the street here across the railroad tracks up on the hill, there's a little white church with a parcel next to it. That's where, that's where it is. So he said, I went there. I knocked on the door. It was two minutes to 11 o'clock. I knocked on the door, and this big, burly New Zealander answered the door. And I said, excuse me, sir, you don't know me. He said, yes, I do. And he said, I backed off. I thought, no, you don't. But I, so I said it again. I said, excuse me, sir, you don't know me. He said, yes, I do. You're lost a Summerall. He said, how do you know that? He said, Howard Carter. I was in a minister's conference a couple of towns over, and Howard Carter said for me to go back home because at 11 o'clock you'd knock on my door and your name would be Lester Summerall, and I'm supposed to give you, I'm supposed to have you preach in my church and give you an offering. And they finally got together, him in Australia, and they preached in Japan, they preached in Manchuria and China, across Russia, Europe, just all over the world they went. They went all, he's preached, Lester Summerall preached in over 110 countries. But God supernaturally just directed him and everything he did. And I just, when I read that, it's like, God, this is, this is living for you is, is a trip. Living for you, but living by faith, just taking, just going where God says to go, doing what God says to do. He ended up back in England in 1930, between 1937 and 1939. He met with Smith Wigglesworth twice a month. Every other week, he'd meet with Smith, personally meet with him. For two years, he did that. Then he came back to the United States. Anyway, just the supernatural workings of God in people's lives. Showing up someplace, and some guy says, yeah, I know you. You're Lester Summerall. Howard Carter said you'd be coming. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And then he, then he started a church in Manila. And here's the sad part. In the late, 
in the late 50s, early somewhere around the late 50s, around 1960, when he was in Manila in the Philippines, God spoke to him and said, you got to go home because your nation needs you. Because the day is coming when there's going to be homosexuals parading in the streets in your country. And he said, I wept, I wept, and I wept. I said, oh, God, no. Don't let that happen. It can't be. But it is. God showed it to him. Years and years ago, God showed him. But go back home and bring the message of God to your people. Hallelujah. So this is, a, this is the supernatural power of God working in people's lives. And I feel like there's so many that have gone before us that have laid their lives down for the gospel, uncompromised. They preach the word. They preach salvation. They preach deliverance. They preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They told me, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in tongues. You need to believe in healing. You need to be on fire for God. Hallelujah. And it needs to be a church where someone says, Hallelujah. You know, where someone says, praise the Lord. And every once in a while we say amen. And yes, so you need that. And you need some excitement in the church. You need to just stir yourself up and say, yes, I'm not just going to come and sit. I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise. I'm going to live for God. I want to pray. I want to establish a relationship with him. I want to be the person he's called me to be. I want to be a part of this revival that God's going to bring to the earth in the last days. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to pull back. We're not going to be afraid to make some political misstep or whatever. We're not going to have the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. We're not going to be afraid of man. We're going to do what God says to do. God said, what was it, about five weeks now? God spoke to me in prayer and said, start church up again. It didn't matter. I wasn't doing it in rebellion to the governor or rebellion to anybody. But God said start church, so we're going to start church. We're going to do what God says to do, and we're going to see the power of God working in our lives. There's people in this church that need miracles. There's people in this church that need healings. There's people in this area that need God. We're going to do our best to bring the light of the, the, light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Rome, New York, to this area. It's what God's called us to. God brought us here supernaturally. I know he used the Air Force, but God got us here. And now he said, we're going to camp here. We're going to live here. We're going to preach until we can't preach no more. We're going to pray until we can't pray no more. Then we're going to go to heaven and give it to somebody else. Hallelujah. But meanwhile, we're going to go for God. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Come on, say amen. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that you're a supernatural God, that you know the beginning from the end. You know what it takes. You know what it takes to touch people's hearts. I thank you that you are able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we even dare to ask or think according to the power that works within us. We bless you, Lord. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed that you're a miracle working God, that you're a supernatural God. We love you. We're going to proclaim your power to this generation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.